this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Welcome to GameSpot's Wrestling Podcast, Wrestle Buddies, a podcast about wrestling, friendship, and wrestling with friendship. I am GameSpot News Entertainment Editor Matt Elfring, and joining me is my closest and bestest wrestle buddy, GameSpot Entertainment Editor Chris Hainer. Chris, how are you? Matt, I'm wonderful. Do you, would you like to know why? Yeah. This is episode 11. I feel like we didn't celebrate properly episode 10. Now we're 11 years old, theoretically. Yeah, that's, how, that's how podcasts work. Because we're only you're, releasing these a year at a time. Yeah, um, and it feels good. Double digits, baby. Let me tell you about the year 2030. It oh. is still terrible. <laughs> How bad? What? What? Which COVID are we on now? Uh, still 19. Oh, God. We're still on 19. Good you cannot Lord. get it together on, in this planet. It's pretty cool that we did elect Punky Brewster president, though. Oh, yeah, man. Wasn't she great? Wonderful. Celine Moon Fry? Yeah. Celine Moonfry. I can't say her first name. (laughs) I sound like you said Celine Moonfry. I was like, is he going to say Celine Dion? I think it's it's Celine Dion and Celine Moonfry's daughter. Oh. They were cloned (laughs) into one human, Punky Dion. Our dystopia is weird. (laughs) It's so weird in the future. Chris, um, before I ask you what we have going on this, this week, um, I have some regrettable news and a new opening segment for the show. Yes, sir. What do we got? <sighs> it's time for retractions. <laughs> On episode 10 of uh, Wrestle Buddies, oh, that's, I, that's, uh, that is this podcast. There's this podcast. This last year's episode. Oh, wow. Yeah. I, I, I called Matt Fowler and Eric Goldman's podcast, We Love Wrestling. Mm. In fact, their podcast is called We Enjoy Wrestling. Oh. Uh, I I regret this statement claiming that Matt Fowler and Eric Goldman love wrestling, and I apologize. I'm only assuming that they do not love wrestling and, in fact, merely enjoy it. They merely enjoy it. You know what else is great about them? Their show is lasting as long as ours because it's 2030. It still exists. I would would like to also retract my statements about them. I believe I said they were awesome. I take that back. I'm sorry, Matt and Eric. Eric. Uh, You guys are enjoyable. You're (laughs) enjoyable. That's a joke. I love Matt and Eric. So I was going to say, can that be factually backed up by something? Can we cite a source? I mean, I've hung out at many uh, WrestleMania events over several years with both of them. Quite enjoyable. Uh, Matt helped me find one of the most enjoyable uh, grilled cheese sandwiches I've ever had in New York City. Mm -hmm. So like those two are enjoyable. They and they enjoy wrestling. They sure do. But in the we sense, in the queen sense. In the what? Like the queen, like the queen's sense. We like queen, the band. No, like the anyway, Chris, what do we got going on this week? Oh, Matt. Well, first of all, I'd like to point out that we also enjoy wrestling. 
Uh, I would oh, we so, love it. I we would go so far. Wrestling. I was going to say, I would go so far and say we love wrestling. We might have to retitle this podcast to uh, We Love Wrestling Starring the Wrestle Buddies and yeah, not Matt yeah. and Eric. Uh, but so what do we got going on this week? Well, uh, we're going back to school. You know, it's yeah. summer vacation. Always a good time for summer school. Professor Matthew L. Fring uh, mm. is going to teach us all about referees, pro wrestling referees, in our latest installment of Wrestling 101. Mm. School uh, session. Then this is this is big, Matt. Um, yeah. yeah. That, and it's why we're saving it for the last segment. This week, we're welcoming a WWE superstar onto the podcast. Finally, Gangrel is coming by. Oh, no. Gangrel is a former WWE superstar. He is a current uh, Gangrel's Wrestling Asylum superstar. That's true. That's true. uh, You may remember, if you listen to the podcast weekly, a few episodes back, or a few years back, I guess, at this point. Yeah. uh, We did a very interesting and very bananas segment about the Dungeon of Doom, uh, a fantastically, quote unquote, bad uh, wrestling stable from WCW in the early 90s uh, that was bent on destroying Hulk Hogan. Uh, It just so happens that one Matt Elfring, co-host of We Love Wrestling, starring the Wrestle Buddies, uh, spoke with The Big Show this week about his Netflix series, The Big Show Show, and got him to talk about being in the Dungeon of Doom. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened. And we have that audio for you on this episode. So please keep listening for that. Um, Nope. Shut the episode off. (laughs) Honestly, fast forward to segment three. That's going to be that's going to be disagree stuff right there. Uh, But before all of that. Yes. uh, It is July in America. It is extreme Mm -hmm. rules season in WWE. So. (laughs) <laughs> so before uh matt plucks out my eye uh i thought it would be a good time to look back on sort of the roots of the extreme rules pay-per-view uh with we're gonna put the spotlight on ecw one night stand from 2005 so chris get put let's let's turn on that spotlight i'm, I'm turning it on Ka-chunk. and and let's put it on ECW's One Night Stand, Matt, a WWF or WWE show. Matt, uh, by spotlight, we of course mean the Wrestle Buddies signal, which just yeah. shines a picture of you onto the segment. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, yeah, ECW One Night Stand, not an ECW production, but WWFE Entertainment owns ECW, and uh, it, this was sort of the the beginning of the resurgence of ECW popularity. It came on the heels of the uh, rise and fall of ECW DVD documentary. That was Which is fantastic. Fantastic. It is on yeah. the WWE network. I highly suggest you look it up. Uh, if you somehow haven't seen it, uh, be warned ECW, the E stands for extreme. And there's like a lot of like weapons and blood and, Oh, I thought it was named after the 80s uh, rock band Extreme. No, uh, actually, I always thought the E stood for Eric Goldman, host of We Enjoy Wrestling. Oh. But it doesn't. I uh, thought it stood for Elfring, host of We Love Wrestling. Starring the Wrestle Wrestle Buddies. Buddies. <laughs> yeah. This is, we're going off on this one. Uh, yep. So after that documentary came out, it caused renewed interest in ECW. So WWE decided to do a pay-per-view just about the promotion. Uh, they went back to ECW's old stomping grounds at, in the Hammerstein Ballroom in New York, New York, which, Matt, I hope you remember. This I is do. where we went to the Titans premiere for DC Universe. 
and That's we were, hit, and I believe we chanted ECW, ECW from our seats. So the year is 2005. It is June 12th. And the whole idea is Paul Heyman is getting the band back together. He's bringing in all the ECW favorites. He's in theory booking a show that's like not about storylines, not about any of that stuff. Of course, there's still a storyline. At some point, it it becomes ECW versus WWE in a way to promote the show. Um, Not in terms of the matches. What it leads to is at the show up in one of the balconies, Eric Bischoff and JBL are leading like an army of Raw and SmackDown stars that include everyone from like Kurt Angle and uh, Edge to uh, luminaries like Tyson Tomko. Um, I don't know if you remember Tyson Tomko. He was really Christian's bodyguard in both WWE and TNA. Oh, very interesting right. stuff. Yeah. Uh, Tomko is what I believe he was known as in TNA. Tomka trucks. Love them. <laughs> yes. It's spelled exactly the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but yeah, the, the WWE versus ECW storyline was weird and didn't really, didn't really make a ton of sense in for what the show was trying to be, which was just a celebration of ECW. But it was there and it's, you know, you do. What you oh, do. But I, I do want to take a step back on that because I, WWF had their introduction to ECW was ECW invading Monday Night Raw during the uh, this is like what when this was is, Savage was still commentating I think I think so. no I no, de- no it, would be, it was beyond that actually yes I definitely remember Savio Vega was in a match during one of the uh, quote unquote invasion moments yeah it was like Jerry Lawler versus ECW so I mean yes at this ECW one night stand WWE doesn't make sense being there but you kind of look at the how ECW entered WWE's uh shows it does kind of make sense if you want to well, connect the, those dots well and the way they set it up is wwe is promoting the show by having some ecw wrestlers on for matches ahead of the show and like mm. some of the wwe people were really upset about it like kurt angle's like how dare they do this eric bischoff <laughs> was like why is like listen i know my company died but this is like not a wcw one night stand show so like i'm not okay <laughs> with it it's all it, it was it was silly, but like it, it was it made it so everyone could get involved. And I guess if yeah. you're just a hardcore WWF fan and you don't know about ECW, this might have been your in. I liked wrestling in general, so I was already sold on one night stand. Yeah, show. same here. And I was so sold on it that like I was amped and they did not announce any matches before the show. They didn't announce mm. they te- They technically didn't really announce any superstars uh, other than the ones that like appeared during promotion, they didn't announce any of the matches. And like Matt, I don't know if you've, you see in the doc, uh, I've put the card. It's a great card for a wrestling. It's a very, show. very good card. Uh, first of all, let me say on commentary is Joey Styles and Mick Foley. Cause at this point, Mick Foley is mostly retired from in-ring competition. This is around the commissioner time, isn't it? Th- this is after that. He's, this is after, right after that. that. He's got his hair back. Uh, but, What's interesting is this is before Mick Foley did color commentary on SmackDown, I believe. And like you can tell he's not entirely comfortable. It can be a little rough at times. And he also fanboys out a couple times and starts chanting ECW loudly into a microphone during a match. I mean, um, he was such a huge part of ECW, too, as Cactus Jack. And- absolutely. It would have been weird to not have him on the show. Yeah. And then so you like- have Joey Styles yelling out, oh, my God. 
He yells, oh, my God, in the middle of the ring to open the show. It's the first thing he says, and it feels a little weird. But like, oh, my God. Oh, God. I yes. can't do it. It's weird. It's such a weird voice. It's it's magical. So I'm, I'm going to run through the card. Uh, the for opening ma- the opening match is one of the like it could headline almost any wrestling show, like in terms of just talent, in terms mm-hmm. of skill. It's Lance Storm with Don Marie versus Chris Jericho, who I want to note is billed as the Lionheart Chris Jericho and even busts out one of his old Lionheart jackets for the match. Mm-hmm. And like they the thing to note is none of the matches go over 11 minutes on this entire show. They're all very short. But like there's so much fun and this is a really good this is a really good opener and it ends with Justin Credible nailing Chris Jericho with the kendo stick to help Lance Storm get the win in what at the time I believe was going to be Lance Storm's final match. I know yes. he's done some stuff with Ring of Honor after the fact, but like that for a long time that was that was his swan song and it ended with the uh, reunion of him and uh, Justin Credible, the impact players, which was very yeah. cool. Uh Next up was a three-way dance. ECW did triple threats differently. They were always elimination as far as I can remember. I honestly feel like that's the best way to do them too. Absolutely. It also, it, it's, it's, it's more exciting, I think. Yeah. Uh, and it was Yoshihiro Tajiri with Mikey R- Whipwreck and the Sinister Minister. Because why not? Gotta have Mikey Whipwreck on the show. So uh, we got to watch Mikey Whipwreck get the crap kicked out of him by somebody and well, almost see, die jumping into the crowd. Well, well, he's not that Mikey Whipwreck anymore. Now he was like, his hair is dyed and he's cool and whatnot. Oh, I keep forgetting this is 2005 yeah, and this not 1997 or yeah. 98. Yeah, this is, this is, this is latter day Mikey Whipwreck. Uh, and it's, so it's Tajiri versus Super Crazy versus Little Guido with the FBI. Ooh. He comes to the ring with Big Guido, JT Smith, Tony Mamaluke, and Tracy Smothers. Uh, it's it. So much of this match is just wonderful for the entrances. Yeah. Like, they're so good. Uh, next up is, it's not, like, it's ECW. You gotta have, like, a really good lucha match. You get that. It's Psychosis versus Rey Mysterio Jr., which is a banger. Like, yeah, it's that's fantastic. Great. Next is Sabu. In a WW a sanctioned WWE match, Sabu, with 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 Fonzie and Rob Van Dam, because Van like Van Dam wasn't booked on the show because he was like like he broke his leg or something. Yeah, he was injured from what I remember. He was very injured. He delivered a promo later in the show about how like missing this show is more of a bummer to me than missing Booker T's wedding. Which I was like, <laughs> that's kind of a I get it, but also poor Booker T. Don't say that out loud. Yeah, no. Uh so it's Sabu versus Rhino. And then we get like the the great technical cruiserweight work rate match. And that is Eddie Guerrero versus Chris Benoit. Mm-hmm. Fantastic match. Eddie is he is. Is there anything Eddie wasn't perfect at? I like it's ridiculous. Uh, great at driving a car to the ring. <laughs> Viva La Raza, my friend. <laughs> um, this is this is sort of the odd match out because it is two non WWE wrestlers. Uh, and it's Mike Awesome versus Masato Tanaka. I didn't know what to expect from this match. It's gr- it's a hard hitting great match that ends with like, if I'm remembering correctly, ends with like a vicious power bomb through a table. Yeah. Was Tanaka only New Japan? Besides ECW? Uh, yeah. Maybe he might have done some time in WCW as a lot of ECW people tended to do, but I don't remember. I was trying to think of like Tanaka aside from ECW had been anything other than the new Japan, but I can't off the top of my head. Can't think of anything. 
Uh, and then in the main event, the longest match on the show at, I believe, 10 minutes and 52 seconds. Uh, and it's just this. This is a match that's just all about feeling good. It's Sandman and Tommy Dreamer versus the Dudley Boys. S- few things to note. Sandman. If you watch the pay-per-view live, Sandman came to the ring to enter Sandman by Metallica. Yeah. If you got it on DVD or if you've watched it on the WWE Network, you might notice that's weird. It doesn't sound like Metallica is playing. That's because they subbed out that song because I'm guessing they just couldn't get the rights for DVD. I'm I'm doing this. It's the money symbol. It's Uh, it's two fingers rubbing together. Oh, yes. Yes. Money, 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 baby. Uh, And it's. This match is just everything. If you loved ECW, this match is just a little bit of everything you loved. It's crazy weapons. It's interaction with fans. Uh, A cheese grater is used on someone's head at one point. Oh, God. Ow. There's a flaming table spot. Uh, Like Sandman spits beer on everybody. Um, Bubba Bubba Dudley probably tries to fight someone in the audience. Yup. There's there's this iconic shot. Iconic to me, anyway, where as Sandman is coming to the ring because he came from the I'm I'm pointing upward. He came from the balcony and climbed his way down and then walked through the crowd. And he's standing on the like the ring barricade while Bubba Dudley is on like up on the top turnbuckle screaming at him. Mm -hmm. And he's just spitting beer in Bubba's face. (laughs) Oh, it's magical. Um, uh. The the match the match is ridiculous. It's not long, but it's it's so feel good. Like Tommy Dreamer is is like on the verge of tears the entire time. Yeah, like it like it's clear that like even more than Paul Heyman, I would say, who gave a great promo about mid show. Mm-hmm. Um, even more than Paul, this had to be a show for Tommy Dreamer because he is just so emotional. He got to be in the main event of like the last real ECW show. Yeah. And that's fantastic. And he got to do it with like some of his longest friends in the business. And he's also seems like the nicest guy in the world. He really does. And now he wears uh, dusty Rhodes polka dots and I love him for it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I I would, I would recommend if you're, if you're too, if you're not very familiar with uh, ECW, go back and watch the Tommy dreamer, like Raven stuff, which I think is fantastic. Like Tommy Dreamer's the jock who got the girl and Raven was the outcast and they both went to high school together and they just beat the hell out of each other. And they are just they're great matches for, you know, what they are in ECW. And it was a story that was told over years. Yeah, it was. This was not a two month thing. Yeah, no, this was a storyline that played it over years. And and it lasted beyond Raven leaving to go to WCW, because when Raven came back, it immediately reignited that feud. It's so, so Mm -hmm. good. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that that was a great match. It's a bummer that Raven wasn't on this show, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's. What but a I show mean, you have. You, you got everybody on that show that you really need from ECW. You know, you've got your Sabu. You got Tommy Dreamer, Dudley Boys. Yeah. Uh, everybody. RVD's not in a match, but he's there. Um, I mean, the only thing that's really missing is what you're about to get to anyway. <laughs> Yeah, so after the match, everything breaks apart because as as the EC as the ECW folk are celebrating to end the show, team WWE just can't handle it anymore. They leave their spot in the balcony, they all come to the <laughs> ring. Hold 
on a second. I'm just imagining the actual storyline. They're like, I'm so mad this ECW show's happening. I'm going to go to the show. And then when it becomes a big success, I'm going to get more upset and go That's to the right. ring. <laughs> it's time for us to finally put them in their place. Uh, After so watching the show silently for two hours. So they go to the... <laughs> they're not silent. No, they're no, co- no. Like, they're constantly... JBL keeps, like, every, throughout Paul Heyman's entire promo, JBL is mining writing checks and then bouncing them off the ground. Because, get it? <laughs> Paul Heyman bounces checks. Um, like, it's the, it's the, it's one of the funniest things JBL did in his entire career. Because you just watch him, he writes the check out, and he, and he goes, his head flops up as he watches it bounce away. Oh, I love it so, it's so dumb, but I love it. Um, so they all go to the ring. A huge brawl breaks out. Uh, JBL legit beats up the Blue Meanie, which turns oh, yeah. into which turns into a whole other thing that gets Blue Meanie a WWE contract for a period of time, and also reunites the BWO in WWE. Yep. Uh, that so there's that, but ultimately, like the ECW folk take care of the WWE folk until all that's left is Eric Bischoff. Eric Bischoff is in the middle of the ring, surrounded by ECW wrestlers. So, of course, oh, at some point, even Taz came out because Taz was retired from in-ring competition at this point. Mm -hmm. But he came out and put like threw a Taz mission on. Uh, But clearly the show has to end with the true face of ECW. So you'd expect Paul Heyman to come out. The glass breaks and here comes Stone Cold Steve Austin. Here's here's the thing. And I know that there if, if you're if you're newer to wrestling, this makes zero sense to you. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. It was Steve Austin became Steve Austin and became kind of the prototype for Stone Cold in ECW. It's yep. after he was left, you know, he left uh, WCW as the Hollywood Blondes. He He's, went to it, ECW. ECW and Paul is also where he first used the name Steve Austin. Exactly. Yeah. Because he was Steve. He was Steve. Wasn't he Steve Williams in WCW? Oh, I do not remember. Hold on. It was uh, Hollywood Blondes, stunning Steve Austin. Oh, you're right. My bad. I'm stunning. Take, take, take I had to say Hollywood blondes first. (laughs) Oh, the Hollywood Uh, blondes. But Paul Heyman really helped uh, Austin find out who he was. Yes. You know, he, he, he told him to kind of, uh, and he did it by rage. He took, he did it by giving him creative freedom to just Mm -hmm. be Steve was pissed that he'd been let go by WCW. And he's like, well, come talk about it on my show. And if you, and if you, Again, this is all in the Rise and Fall of ECW documentary. Mm-hmm. They have the promos that Steve did for ECW, and they're so good. It's a lot of ripping on Hulk Hogan. A lot. There's a lot of ripping on Hulk Hogan, but there was a there was a time when he had a title match against Mikey Whipwreck and yes. lost. And he has this promo afterwards where he's just serious. He's serious. He's taking Mikey Whipwreck as a challenger serious, and he's just like, you beat me now. You're not going to beat me next time. And the look on his face is so good. Yeah. Because, I mean, before in WCW, he was, you know, Hollywood Blondes. He, it was him and Brian Pillman, which I still think is one of the better WCW tag teams. Don't fight me on that. I, I just, I love the Hollywood Blondes. The Hollywood Blondes were, ruled and their whole, I'm, I'm motioning running a video camera yeah. right now <laughs> at Matt into the Zoom call. It's, it's so good. But it's, it's very much just like the whole gimmicks, like they're blonde. And like they didn't, they talked on the mic, but like they didn't, I don't, neither of those men knew who they were at that point as wrestlers. No. Like character wise. Right. In ring, they were both fantastic. Mm-hmm. But they just didn't have that, you know, that mic skill and the promo work to really make them become what they would become. 
And Austin found that character, that personality in ECW. Yeah. Before he took it to WWE, he was cast as the ringmaster. Yeah. But then was eventually let loose as Stone Cold Steve Austin. And then I think in turn, he helped make Brian Pillman better when they were both at WWE or WWF at the time. Uh, and then they had that insane storyline where <laughs> Brian Pillman has a gun in his house. Oh my God, that's right. Uh, anyway, Austin comes yeah, sorry. out. Sorry, <laughs> big Austin, tangent. <laughs> Austin comes out and directs traffic as like, he's like, he just has everyone beat up Eric Bischoff. He closes it out with a Stone Cold Stunner. Not an ECW move. Very curious. Uh, and then his music hits as he has a beer bash with everyone, drinks beer with Sandman. It It's... That's the moment that tells you this is a WWF show, a WWE show, which mm -hmm. I understand. Um, however, like it's such a feel. The, the entire show is one massive feel good moment. Yeah. Like I feel happy when I watch that show and I go yeah. back to it at least once a year because like I'm just like, man, it's a small venue. It's about twenty five hundred people. And, but they're packed in and they're more loud and passionate than like most WWE crowds I've been to shows with. Yeah. They just love it so much. This thing that they loved from beginning to end is back from the dead for one night only. Of course, as we learned uh, one year later, one night stand was not a one off. Uh, nope. It happened again in 2006 to help launch WWE presents ECW. The main event was John Cena versus Rob Van Dam uh, for the WWE and ECW titles. Van Dam won via outside interference by Edge and a motorcycle helmet for some reason. There's just a lot. Uh, and then they actually had one night stand two more years in a row before it changed name to Extreme Rules. Uh, the In 2007, 2008, it was essentially just the Extreme Rules pay-per-view. Uh, yeah. It was the, like... 2006 was the last one where it was specifically like an ECW flavored show. Well, except it was the new version of ECW where it was like wrestling machine, Kurt angle versus I think Randy Orton, maybe probably. And it was like, this is when Kurt angle like became like badass again after being a comedy character for so long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they retired the one, the one night stand name in 2008 came back in 09 with extreme rules. And now we, now they pluck out eyeballs and Ugh. fight in a swamp. And um, I don't remember what the other match stipulations are. Here's the thing. And I've been reading rumors online. I know we don't talk about um, topical stuff on the show very often, but I read that they were going to have a CGI eyeball popping out of someone's head at the end of Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, or Ray, Ray, I'm sorry, Rey Mysterio, Seth Rollins. Tell and all I could kidding. think was, this is the dumbest. ECW is turning over in its grave. Yeah. A CGI eyeball. That can't be true. There's no way that can be true. How do you follow uh, up on someone losing their eye? That's probably the last match of the night, a non-title match. <laughs> no, I mean, how do you follow that? How do, what's the next chapter of that storyline? Seth Rollins You're can't wrestle anymore. He only has an eyeball. You remember like Bray Wyatt, Randy was it Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton when like there was like maggots, like the the video playing on the ring of maggots and stuff like and that. And they acted like they were real. Yeah, and you're like, where do you take it from here? Like, <sighs> and there's plenty of places you can take it from there. Um, kind of adding in this horror element or whatever. 
But eyeball pop. The eye for an eye match is so stupid. Go read our thing on GameSpot about it. I hate the idea of it so much. Yeah, if you haven't seen it, Matt and I ranted about this match in a post on GameSpot last week because we're both really annoyed uh, because it's a dumb idea. But there's some stuff on that show that I am looking forward to. I am looking forward to whatever Dolph Ziggler versus Drew McIntyre turns out to be. Like mm-hmm. They'll name the stipulation day of. I can't wait to see what the Wyatt family swamp match or whatever it's called it's is. It's going to be amazing. Like, I can't wait. Um, With the Strowman Express when he comes out in his uh, conductor outfit that we were, we decided he needs to have. <laughs> I hope the he, tank. I hope he rides a train literally to the Wyatt family compound. Um, like, oh, like Shotzi Blackheart takes in like the, the tank to the ring. Like yes. he should come in on a mini, uh, mini a little train. Ti- a little tiny train. <laughs> that would be great. Uh, yeah, so like, there's a lot of that show I'm looking forward to. Eye for an Eye is not one of them. But yeah, that was uh, ECW One Night Stand. One of just the flat out from beginning to end most enjoyable wrestling shows you'll ever see in your life. Again, if you ha- somehow haven't seen it, it's on the WWE Network. Uh, and it's worth the free trial or $9.99 or whatever it is Yeah, for that one show. Just and then you it. watch Undertaker's Last Ride right after. I still haven't watched the final episode. I can't bring myself to do it. Just do it. Nope. It's good. It's great. It's sad. I watched. Yeah. I watched part of it and I was like, this is sad. It's great, though. Just watch it. Well, that's the end of that. That's the end of that. Oh, wait. Wait a minute. Oh, God. Chris, do you hear something? No. I don't yes, know why Matt. that's my go to. Yes, Matt. I hear I hear someone just dropped a soapbox in the middle of the room, I guess. Oh, there we go. We did it. We there's our transition. It's Micro Maker Dan's soapbox. Where we give a coworker two minutes. I'm so unenthusiastic saying this. Listen, it's Mike or Mager Dan's soapbox. Based on that title, you should know who we have this week because we've had Mike and we've had Meg. We're gonna That's give right. we're gonna give our boy Dan Audi two minutes to talk about whatever on earth he wants about wrestling. Anyway, uh, I'm hearing some footsteps, and they and those footsteps sound like they're coming all the way from across the pond. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, GameSpot's Dan Audie. Dan, how are you? I'm very well. How are you, Matt? I'm great. How are you, Chris? Uh, I'm also great. Dan, I am concerned that you walked all the way here. It was a long Europe. way, but it's worth it for you guys. There's also no other podcast very, I'd cross the ocean for. On also a, very wet. Yeah. Very yeah. wet. I had a submarine. I'm okay. I made oh. it. Oh, I thought you had like a biblical moment where you just walked across <laughs> the Atlantic. Now, here's no. the thing. I, I'm going to I'm gonna throw some local comedy at Dan. Hey, Dan, was it a yellow submarine? What's That's up? good. Come on. That's good. That's good. I know. Thank it, you. It was. And it was Ringo's birthday yesterday as well. So. Oh, happy birthday, fourth yeah. Beatle. 80 years hey, old. Hey, peace and love, peace and love. Spoilers. My, my uh, Xbox Live username is Ringo Starchild. Beautiful. So it's it's Ringo Star. And the Starchild. And- and Star oh, Child. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay, just want to double check. Two of the greatest bands ever, the Beatles and Kiss, of course. This is Mike or Meg or Dan's Soapbox. Mm. This is a, a time where we give one of our coworkers uh, just, they, they can have two minutes to talk about whatever they want. We have explained the rules to Dan. Uh, Dan, you get two minutes. You get to talk about whatever you want within the world of wrestling. Yes. Are you ready? I am. Dan, here we go in three, two, one. Go. So, I don't doubt for a second that I'm probably the guest who knows the least about uh, WWE and associated American wrestling types that's ever going to appear on this show. 
I know absolutely nothing about it. I've never seen a match. I could barely name any current wrestlers. Um, however, I did grow up in the 1980s in the UK where British wrestling uh, was a big deal. Uh, people like Big Daddy, Giant Haystacks, Kendo Nagasaki, Pat Roach, these were all big names. Uh, when I was growing up as a kid, it would be on Saturday afternoon on TV. Um, British wrestling in the 80s was very... Um, I mean, you could see how it's related to WWE. It was still very theatrical. There were still backstories. Um, it was just a little more low budget in a kind of slightly crummy um, British way uh, that I've got a lot of nostalgia for. I don't think those names will mean anything to anyone under the age of 30, especially not if you grew up in the States. Um, I was just talking to Chris before we did this. Uh, Pat Roach probably is best known for appearing in Rage of the Lost Ark. I believe he's the, uh, the large German who gets um, sliced up by the propeller blades. Uh, and beyond that, these names really, they exist back in the 80s for kind of nostalgic men in their 40s like me, uh, who look back at that time uh, wistfully, uh, and it's kind of gone. I don't know what British wrestling's like these days, but I used to really, really enjoy that. Um, I don't know how I'm doing for time. I'm going to mention one other quick thing related to this. I went to a great gig, uh, or show, as you call it in the States, um, a few years ago to see Luke Haynes, who was best known for fronting the band The Auteurs in the 90s. Um, he, did a, he released a concept album in 2012 called um, Nine and a Half Psychedelic Meditations on Wrestling, and it was all about British wrestling in the 80s. Uh, he performed this gig playing songs from the album. He had a sofa on stage on which sat a man dressed as Kendo Nagasaki reading a British newspaper. Thank you very the much, thing. Dan. Very informative, <laughs> and I really appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, just, just great that you could just drop all that information on us within two minutes. Thank you very much for coming. My on. pleasure. Thank you for reminding us all about Giant Haystacks, someone who I actually remember. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. He was a big name. Him and Big Daddy. They were the they were the two main main men in the British eighties wrestling. What what I love is that with with Mike and Meg, uh-huh. it was very much like a fandom type of like freak out about their favorite thing. Mm-hmm. Dan, your your two minutes was the most British thing ever. It was strictly <laughs> informative, yep. and that's it. That's it was inc- yeah. it was so proper, like it just felt right and sophisticated and good. Excellent. I'm, I'm happy to live up to uh, that stereotype. That's a good one to have, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. As a yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. No problem, uh, man. And that was Mike and Megan Dan's or whatever is so soapbox. Chris, schools around the country are closed with good reason. So we need to get a little bit of learning on right now. You sound very, you found very professorly. Yeah, is that a, well, is that a I've word? got my, my professor cap on and my professor robe and my professor pipe. <laughs> Are you wearing like a tweed jacket with elbow patches right now? That or a t-shirt that says Chicago on it in the style of a hot dog. One of the two. Oh, uh, Chicago hot dogs are terrible. You're terrible. Chris, <laughs> let Professor Elfring take you to the world of wrestling 101 where we learn about referees. Chris, in every wrestling match, almost every wrestling match, uh, a singles competition, there are uh, two men or women in the ring fighting to be champion, the champion of that match, not just a champion in general. Oh, okay. Uh, But there is a third person in that ring, and that person happens to be the referee. I don't understand. What do you mean? Well, there's a a gentleman or lady. uh, It is 2031. 
uh, were very progressive in 2031. Matt, I don't know if you know this, but they had women referees in 2020. I know we're just as progressive as 2020. Oh, cool. We haven't gotten any better. Not any better. This is actually awful. Uh, referees, the, the guys in the zebra shirts or ladies in the zebra shirts. Wait, uh, those aren't actual zebras. Those are not zebras. Holy cow. I thought zebras were a thing in wrestling. Not at all. Uh, so the idea of a referee is that they are to uh, kayfabe, maintain order, uh, enforcing the rules of the match. When I say kayfabe, in case you don't uh, understand what that means, that just means like keeping the uh, the illusion of the entertainment that's happening in the ring as real, quote unquote. Kayfabe, wrestle fake. Yeah, wrestle fake. Re- it's, like, it's, it's like how Eric and Matt kayfabe love wrestling. <laughs> they just enjoy it. So uh, the referee maintains order. This is silly. This is such a silly episode. Uh, they're supposed to maintain order and they can call the match whenever they, you know, whenever a competitor breaks said rules. Uh, they're usually there to, you know, if there's a pinfall, we'll stop the match, submission, a KO, ring out, you know, maintaining order is what they do. Uh, at times they can just call a match if somebody uh, has broken the rules. Uh, however, that decision can be reversed by a higher authority if they call for it. A Triple H could come to the ring and be like, I don't like this. Restart the match. And then he pedigrees everybody and wins. <laughs> and then he wins somehow. It, so, remi- it reminds me of, like, remember when he lost, lost quote unquote, the title to Chris Jericho because of a referee fast count? And then, yes. like, made Earl Hebner <laughs> reverse the decision and then beat him up? Yep. <laughs> Oh, poor Earl Hebner, the referee everybody knows. So what referees actually do within the context of the ring is uh, it's much more intricate. So they're kind of used as a middleman. This is their primary thing they do. Uh, They go back and forth between the wrestlers to pass information. And that information can be, you know, setting up the next move or spot uh, and pretending to check on if the wrestlers are okay. That's kind of the guys that they use. Like, oh, buddy, are you okay? Oh, a power bomb. Oh, let me go tell him. Oh, are you saying this because they actually don't care if the wrestlers are okay? They don't care. A power bomb. That's the that's the referee. That's mad as a referee. Uh, just, are you are you okay? A power bomb. Oh, he's okay. Let me check on the other guy. He's gonna do a power bomb. That guy's okay too. What you can't see is that oh Matt is that Matt is cupping his hands around his mouth to speak into the microphone in a whisper. And it looks very silly. A power bomb. I just realized that no one can see that. A power bomb. A, pa- a power bomb. Oh, a Canadian destroyer. That's illegal. You Wait, can't what? Do that. That's not illegal. It's illegal. Oh, cause it's a pile driver. Mm-hmm, it's a pile driver. Mm. Actually, I think that, no, they use Canadian destroyers actually in WWE now. Do they? Wasn't, wasn't Cena doing one for a little while? No. Yeah. No, he does the sunset flip powerbomb thing. Oh, 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 sorry. Sorry. Yeah. Get it together, Matt. It's like you're not even a real person who loves wrestling. A powerbomb. <laughs> and just and just in case you're wondering what that looks like, I did take a screenshot and we'll tweet it <laughs> when the episode comes out. Because it's amazing. <laughs> A power bomb. Okay, I gotta stop. I gotta stop. I gotta stop. Back to I am a teacher. Uh, so additionally, uh, the referee will uh, tell the boys to go home, which means end the match. 
Uh, yes, because because in WWE especially, I don't know about AEW, but probably the referees are also wearing an earpiece that yes. has them connected to what's going on in the back so they can get instructions from the back. on like, oh, we need to lose five minutes. Oh, we need to go home and end the match now. Like yeah. they're getting instructions. And I believe there have even been times where like finishes to a match have been flipped in the middle of the match and related to the ref who then has to tell the two wrestlers, which which sounds like a, a terrible thing to do when you're talking to two very high adrenaline, uh, angry people in the ring, fake fighting. Yeah. Like, oh, you got to lose now. Oh, I'm going to po- tell him a power bomb. Tell him a power bomb. <laughs> I'm going to get power bombed. <laughs> Uh, so additionally, the ref can also serve as a uh, a middleman to getting paramedics down. Uh, mm. They put their hands over over their head in a X formation. It's called the X signal or just the X, whatever you want to call it. And that alerts people backstage that, hey, this person in the ring who's uh, quote unquote choreographed fighting uh, is actually hurt from a move. Get someone down here to, so- to clean it up. From what I understand, originally that was the actual motion to yeah. let someone backstage know that something was wrong. Fans yeah. caught on to it. And now it's still it like you can tell whether it's real or not, because if it's not real, like they'll make kind of a show of it and hold it up high over their heads. Uh, yeah. If there's something actually wrong, they'll be cameras they'll cut to, away. Cameras will cut away. And even if you see the rep do it, they'll be very covert about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very I guess just very, yeah. very quick thing. Uh, yeah, because the, the X is now used in storylines. I remember, was that a Survivor Series? Was the Bludgeon Brothers versus New Day? Or the Bludgeon Brothers? Maybe it was a SummerSlam. Did, the they, bl- did they bludgeon the New Day? Well, Xavier Woods, I thought, was legitimately hurt. Uh, like, they yeah. powerbombed him, they powerbombed him on, a, uh, on a, stair, a staircase. And, like, I thought he was hurt. Like, the dude is just the best actor. Well, yeah. Are we still the powerbomb? Uh, your powerbomb is killing me. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so yeah, and the I want doing the I, I want a T-shirt that's a picture of you whispering, and then the word bubble says a power bomb. <laughs> <laughs> referee Elfering, also a professor. So to me, what matters most about referees is the is when they become part of the storyline. They become part of the magic in the ring. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are two things that they do primarily. The first is. Uh, how easily distracted they are while maintaining order in the ring. They are paying such close attention to what's going on in the ring. But as soon as someone steps up on the ring apron, it's like, wait a minute. you got to get out of here. Where did you come from? Hey, hold on a second. Uh, So they will go talk to that person to kick them out. And then all of a sudden something illegal happens in the ring. Maybe a low blow. You never know. Maybe a a brass knuckle to the face. If you're William Regal. Remember Willie Regal's brass knuckles? That was a great storyline. I love that. Uh, so referees are referees. <laughs> referees are easily distracted. But my favorite thing about refs is that they are all made of glass. Chris, every yes. single one. If they get touched at all in the ring, they are knocked out for at least 30 minutes. They do like the Ric Flair flop and then they're yeah. done. <laughs> I talk Which... about the Ric Flair flop where he stands up, says no, 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 no. And then falls on his face. Yep. Yep. That's the one. Uh, and it used to be a lot more believable, but now uh, like almost all of WWE's referees are like super jack dudes. Yeah. Who look like they could beat up some of the wrestlers. What's uh God, the referee, John, his son is Nicholas, the one that won the tag team championships. Uh, John something like he's a big dude, like a ripped dude. 
But they also have a dude who looks like he was like seriously a recruited guy. He, or recruited from the Jersey Shore. Yo, I know exactly. He has the spiky black hair, right? Yes. Yeah. He's a guy that like, I, I feel like if I saw him at a bar, he would punch me for sneaking around him to order a drink. Yep. Like you're Excuse me, buddy. I didn't know referee shirts could be that tight. <laughs> They're not. That's an extra, extra large. He's that <laughs> ripped. He's so muscular. He's a muscle man. Uh, but yeah. Because, yeah, because referees when we were growing up, like Earl Hebner, uh, Dave Hebner, Dave Hebner, uh, the guy that had that that uh, digital series where he kept killing himself, White. What was his first name? Oh, Timmy White. Timmy, Timmy White. White. Yeah. They little, were more just little, like Little Nate. Yeah, they all look like uh, Everyman, Charles Robinson. <laughs> they like, all they just look like yeah. Everyman. They all look like some dude's uncle. <laughs> like, they just look like an uncle. Oh, your kid's having a wrestling match? You, you need someone to make sure the rules are happening good? Well, and that's kind of the important thing about a referee is, like, a, if if you're a good referee, and I've heard many wrestlers say this, if a good referee won't even be noticeable in the ring. Yes. Until they need to be noticed in the ring. Yeah, yeah. And like Timmy White, uh, Jimmy Corderas, like there's so many amazing referees that like, you know, they're amazing because they're not constantly catching your eye because of what they're doing or where they're standing. Mike Chioda. 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 I always I always call them Chioda. Is it Chioda? It's definitely Chioda. I've never heard his name said out loud, so I'm going based on how it looks. Oh, Chioda. It is Chioda. It, isn't it C-H-I? Yeah. So there's a lot of great referees out there. <laughs> what a weird transition. I will say one of my personal favorite referees of all time is currently signed to AEW, Rick Knox. He is a SoCal. Yes. Le- he's a Southern California legend who is the main referee for PWG for most of its early years. Uh, he was just he was the guy that refed every wrestling show I went to in L.A. And now he's on, on TV. Yes, he was great. Now he's not on there anymore. Um, I can I we do a segment called changes I want to make to being the elite sure change number one no more broken Matt Hardy <laughs> that's it done Although end of segment I, I will take more big money Matt but not in the merch freak segments no 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 I want merch freak separate merch freak is good and pure and needs to be left alone more MJF I'm into that Matt, we're so far off track. Go back to referees. Oh, that's it. We're done. Oh, that's class. what refs do. <laughs> oh, class dismissed. Uh, yeah, class is over. Sorry. I, I, had I, was, to... I was drinking before the job today. I know how to end this. One, two, three. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. It's over. Finally. Finally. The moment we have all been waiting for. Wait, Chris, what's coming up next? Oh, Matt. Well, <laughs> we're talking to the big show. <sighs> I really want to preface preface this as this was not an interview set up for this show. No, <laughs> not you, at all. You, you spoke to big show uh, for the site. Yeah, I spoke to big show for GameSpot. Um, just kind of plugging away at uh, the big show show on Netflix is sitcom that he stars on. And I just had extra time and I was like, Hey, talk about dungeon of doom. Um, and he did. And he did. Go, I, I, I did. You okay? I think you'll hear the question. I definitely preface it with like, I love the dungeon of doom. Hey, you talk about it. <laughs> uh, but WWE was gracious enough. Uh, gracious. Enough, they were nice enough. Just to let us use the audio. And 
this is not high quality audio. This is uh, me holding my phone up to my microphone, the area where I whisper the word a power bomb. And uh, so the audio is not great, but like, I don't know. It's pretty awesome to hear the big show talk about, you know, what that's his introduction into wrestling was Dungeon of Doom, which is not so. Did he call it the Yeti? We didn't discuss the Yeti. I, I was mostly just discussing his. You'll hear. Just here's the here it is. Enjoy it. One of my favorite things about your career uh, is your introduction into wrestling, which was the Dungeon of Doom. Uh, (laughs) I don't know what it is about that whole. It's it's such a wonderful, beautiful product of its time. When you look back on it, Um, how did how did you kind of feel getting put into that position? Uh, It was really uh, I was such a fish out of water, man. I mean, I literally didn't know a pair of wrestling boots from a top wrist lock. Um, I trained for a few months in Atlanta, learned some basic moves, um, was basically brought in to be an opponent for Hulk Hogan. Uh, Hulk found me, got me trained, and was giving me this opportunity right out of the gate uh, to tell the story. And I I was very young and naive, like, okay, I'm the son of Andre, which gives you uh, credibility in the wrestling world. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like people loved Andre so much. I've had people come up and hold my hand and cry because they loved Andre. And I loved his dad. So like, all I'm saying is like, my dad was a, you know, an AMP plane mechanic and a pilot. So mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, he did. That's awesome. You know, but that type of uh, genuine love for Andre was a tough, tough role to carry. And then, uh, trying to find out who I was as a talent, too. That's another thing, because I was so athletic at that time. Mm-hmm. There was literally nothing I couldn't do in the ring athletic-wise. And, um, but I was constantly being told, because the business is different, then slow down, don't be so athletic, work like a giant, which is tough when you're young and you're excited and you see great talent out there working like Undertaker and, and you know, um, I see Rick Flair working. I'm such a huge fan of Rick Flair and Arn Anderson. And uh, you know, you see these guys work, and you wanted to to tell stories like they did. You know, whether um, that you could bump and feed and sell and be aggressive and do all these things, but sometimes it didn't fit your character. Mm. And then kind of when I was like, even my promos back then when I talked, I was doing the the Kurgan from the first Highlander movie. interview it's like three minutes <laughs> just a three minute clip of the big show it's honestly it's the important part yeah 
Uh, thank you, honest, obviously, thank you to WWE and The Big Show. The Big Show show is on Netflix right now. Uh, if you love studio audience comedy, which I do, you might enjoy this one. There's lots. There's also lot, just lots of wrestling goodness to be found sort of hidden within it. Uh, and additionally, if you want to learn more about The Big Show show, go to GameSpot. Um, there is a, not the full interview on there, the Dungeon of Doom stuff's not in that interview, but everything else we talked about which is about the big show bringing his own memorabilia for the set and the kind of the memorabilia he has up in his personal home. And like you said, the dungeon of doom stuff is exclusive to wrestle buddies. So all our, our, all our little wrestle buddy acts out there, get the good stuff. Oh man. All four of our fans don't have a, a nickname yet. Like what do we call them? Losers. No, they're just wrestle buddies. <laughs> yeah. We're all wrestle buddies. We're all wrestle buddies. Everybody's a wrestle buddy. All right, let's dip into that mailbag. Oh, we're going to the mailbag. Uh, we have questions. Matt, would you like me to lead this? I was gonna, like, So last week, Chris, we had questions, yes. a ton of them. And then I said, hey, this episode's too long already. <laughs> it's true. It's so. true. Last week's episode was our longest yet. I had a lot to say about Pasta Mania. Uh, and honestly, I'll probably have more to say about Pasta Mania at some point. Yeah, uh, but this week we're finally answering the questions. We have lots of questions from exactly two people, but there's a lot. There's a lot to dig into. Uh, the first comes from the GameSpot Discord. If you're not on the GameSpot Discord, come hang out with us on the Wrestle Channel. Uh, I sometimes is, write in there. Me too. And this uh, user Ramy Spidey Trilogy for life. I'd like to say I appreciate this name, but. I will go on record as to say Spider-Man 3 is trash. Uh, Spider-Man uh, 3 is great. You shut uh, your mouth. Spider-Man 3 is terrible. Spider-Man 2 a, is the best Spider-Man movie. Spider-Man 3 is a perfect Sam Raimi movie. Th there's way too much dancing. Perfect Sam Raimi movie. No. Incorrect. I disagree. Moving on. If The Rock had a Firefly Funhouse style match with The Fiend, what do you think would happen in it? So much Nation of Domination. Oh my God. Definitely Nation of Domination. Definitely a rock concert with Hollywood Rock. Um, Rocky Maivia. Yes, he would. There would there would legit be a moment where he was forced to dress as the Scorpion King. Yep, <laughs> it would just happen. I'm willing. I'm willing to bet they would parody his his first Saturday Night Live monologue, where they put him yeah. in like the blue suit and whatnot. Um, and then he would just get beaten up with people's elbows time and time again. Yeah, probably. Uh, and then I think I'd like to see the the wig he wore in the movie Be Cool. Yeah. I'd like to see that. Yeah. Maybe, Honest, maybe. Honestly, it might be more entertaining for the, his Firefly Funhouse match to revisit his various like early movies as opposed to his various career stages. Like yeah. we get the, we get the race to which mountain section and we get the Be Cool section and we get uh like the Tooth Fairy. No, not the Tooth Well, he used the Tooth Fairy, right? Yeah. I was thinking of the Vin Diesel one. Vin Diesel, the pacifier. That's it. Uh, we get the I, I, I know my movies for kids that star major action stars. If there is not a part of his Firefly Funhouse match that's dedicated to Southland Tales, which I maintain is a really cool movie. I give up like that movie. I, I didn't that movie rules. It. He plays I a character. His character's name is Boxer Santaros. OK, I've been to that. Um, and like everything up it. If you haven't seen Southland Tales, it is a weird movie. Um, it's especially if you don't have any context for the story. But man, what a swing for the fences that movie is. And it's filled with yeah. like a lot of famous people. 
here's the thing I'm thinking about like the Cena career thing compared to the rock career thing. I think the rocks career overall, and we're going to, I'm going to say strictly wrestling has infinitely less cringy moments than John Cena. Like we may all look back at the word life era of John Cena and like rose colored glasses. It's great. It's very cringeworthy to me. The spinner belt's very cringeworthy to me, but I think about the rocks career and it's like just the Rocky Maivia thing's the only thing I'm like, eh, on with him as a wrestler. Yeah. But he had such a cool costume. Lots of blue. I do like the costume, but it's very like, just like fresh baby face. Yeah. It's, uh, I want to see this match. That's why they would have to dip into his movie stuff. They'd have. Yeah. To. Yeah. Because you got to go into the, the rocks early stuff, which is Scorpion King. It's bad. Also, also, you know, you know, they would have to revisit, uh, Cena dogging him during their feud when rock like had some issues getting back into promo land. Oh yeah, that's right. When he had like the notes written on his thing. And like, even though that looked very, very planned and very, very, uh, premeditated and not real. Uh, like you, there are things like that that you'd have to dip back into. Yeah. You'd have to. Um, so yeah, I, regardless, I think it'd be a cool match. Yeah. I would watch it. Oh, why isn't the rock in a Marvel movie yet? (laughs) Because he signed on for black Adam in the DC universe. Yeah. Which will never get made. It'll, get made, I, I I, it'll happen eventually. Uh, like, I'm, gonna, if, I'm not going to get too off the track, but he's the perfect Black Adam. There yeah, it is. If James Gunn's Suicide Squad reinvigorates that universe, like it's on. Yeah. In fact, I think they're. I think they have a. They had a start date. Yeah. Well, well, well Black Adam's part of the Shazam universe first. Well, right, but like they're all part of the DC universe. I think it's supposed to be one big interconnected thing, right? No, you know what DC should stop doing? Interconnecting it all. Done. Just make good movies. Stop it. I mean, you're not wrong. Next question. Next question uh, comes from Lord Pumpernickel, who we've gotten questions from before. Good questions from before. Uh, For each of you, what is your dream up, up, down, down team and which game would they dominate? Oof. My team is my team is easy. It's it's Breeze and Woods. Yeah, I don't Um, know. Although I'm not going to pick Breeze because I'm, I'm very awkward around him. As you learned last week, you're not on his team with him. I'm going to be on the team with him. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, okay. So what is your team? Then? So I know I'm not going to be on a team. <laughs> I'm so tired. Monday's a weird, I'm sorry, <laughs> Thursday that we're, we're recording. Uh, this is live. No, we're recording. This is, we're recording this Monday afternoon. It's fine. It was late. We're recording it late. Uh, my dream up, up, down to, I love Kofi. Mm. I so think Kofi. What is his name? Uh, Mr. Gacho. Mr. Gacho ass, uh, Mr. 24 seven. Yes. Uh, he's got like 20 nicknames. Mm-hmm. And then. Oof. Miz. Yeah. Go Miz. I was going to say one of the Usos. I can never tell which one is which because I'm uh, a bad wrestling fan. One is Jimmy and one is Jay. I know one is Jimmy. One is Jay, but like, I don't know which one they're both perfect. You know what? Long hair. Uso. <laughs> Whichever one is the long hair at this time. Oh boy, what game are they going to dominate, Matt? Long hair Uso and Kofi Kingston. Um, well, sports, anything sports. Oh, okay. Okay. Madden, mostly Madden for them. Uh, I always want to pick Big E, but Big E's only good at UFC. Mm -hmm. Um, both Uso and Kofi are both good at the Tekken and a lot of the fighting games as well. I I kind of have two. Uh, 
the the first one, as I said, is Woods and uh, Breeze, and I like I would pit them against anyone in a WWE game, mm-hmm. like especially Latter Day that like from PlayStation on. Like I think AJ Styles would rule over like No Mercy and VPW and all those, but like I think a lot of like the SmackDown series or franchise into the WWE 2K franchise, it would be hard to top uh, uh, Woods and Breeze. The other team that came to mind was AJ and Miz on almost any like old retro game. Yeah, because they're they're so good at the old, old games. And I think that would be really good because AJ isn't isn't the best at newer games. No. And he throws his controller a lot. He's also bad at new wrestling games. We saw that happen live. We did see that happen live. Uh, But like put him on like Marble Madness or Zaxxon. Was it the Miz that was playing Marble Madness recently on Up Up Down Down? I think you're right. Yeah, and he was like, I was like, as I'm watching him play Marble Madness, I'm like, man, I remember this game. I love this game. I'm watching him go through it. I'm like, dude, this guy played this a ton yeah, as a kid. I was never that good at Marble Madness, and I played it a lot. Game's impossible. I love it though. Oh, it's so much fun. So yeah, I would like I would they would be Team Retro, I think, and then I yeah, Breeze and Woods would be my team wrestling games. I might with Retro, I might go like Adam Cole. Ooh, and uh, ooh, man, I just dug myself into a corner there, baby. I don't know who I'd go with for, for uh, to to complement the other retro Oscar and Oscar's mostly new games. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, let's go Oscar. Yeah, I would go Oscar. Oscar, uh, as you and I have both dabbled, Oscar has dabbled in the arcade one up cabinet reproduction cabinets. Yes. Yeah. So that, that tells me she at least has some love for the older games. Uh, and then we just Cesaro by himself playing mobile games. I, Cesaro clash with Cesaro is I'm, I hate that game, but oh. I love watching him play it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So that's the first question. We got our answer. Next question. Uh, this is actually a series of questions. Let's say men and women can fight together in sort of a mixed match challenge sort of situation, I guess. Uh, who can you come up with two male, female tag teams made up of both, either current or former uh, wrestlers. Oh man. Uh, I'm, I I don't know if this is my ultimate one, but like just of current people, I'd love to see a uh, Candace and Johnny Gargano team because I know Candace can wrestle well with men. And they're married and they're married (laughs) and like, well, yes, that, that is obviously like the jumping off point, but I know she is, she is really great at intergender wrestling. And I think that would be fantastic. I I'm gonna go with uh, Kari Sane and Paul Birchall. Pirate? Oh, for Team Pirates? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, let's just go obvious. It's well, both of them. Okay, okay. Now this is where we go from here. Uh, what would you name them? Kari and Paul. <laughs> not even like, <laughs> not even pirate power or anything like that. No, I just give them just. I w- I would Kyrie do and Paul. What WWE does. Uh, many times, which is they'll put together a tag team that eventually becomes a great tag team. But for the longest time, they just have their names as their tag yeah, team. Yeah, for the longest time, it's just Cesaro and Sheamus. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say the bar is the best version of that. Um, oh, I miss the bar. Me too. Uh, I honestly, I might just be Mister and Mrs. Gargano. Perfect. <laughs> it's so easy. How about just the Garganos? The Garganos. The Gar- there That's you go. perfect. Done. 
Um, uh, what is their, what, oh, ooh, this could actually be interesting. Mine, it's, the question is, what is their backstory? Mine is obvious, they're married. Like, Mine they met, obvious. they dated and got married. But like, Mine's oh, obvious, they're pirates. But like, were they like feuding pirates that came together for the greater good? Are they working together in, in search of like a bigger treasure? That's their gimmick. Oh no, let's make them, what's the movie? I'm the captain now. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember. I don't remember. I'm the captain now movie. The Somalian, but with the guy with the guy from Castle Rock, who I like a lot, is it Tom Hanks in that movie? Yeah, he is. But I'm more focusing on the guy from Castle Rock. I like okay, a lot. OK, OK, my Ooh. bad. Watch Castle Rock season two. He's great. Go on. Uh, they worked on his ship in the lower decks and they wow. worked their way up through management uh-huh. and became wrestlers. <laughs> That's the level. OK, so when you become a wrestler as a pirate. You first, you work in the engine room, a modern day pirate. Oh my God. Then you work your way up to, I don't know, cleaning, uh, cleaning the deck. Uh, and then you get to like man the sails and then you get to be a, uh, a deck hand and then a bosun and then eventually you become captain. But in this case, uh, the Somalian man whose name I cannot remember the actor that I like very much, uh, he says, I'm the captain now. You can't be the captain, but you're both worthy of your own ship. And they said, what ship are we worthy of? Me, a pirate named Paul, and me, a pirate named Kari. And he said, you'll find that pirate in WWE. And then he gave them their own smaller boat, and they traveled all the way to America. Wow. And became Paul and Kyrie. <laughs> Kyrie and Paul. Kyrie and Paul. <laughs> pirates at law. The movie by the <laughs> Yeah, actually Pirates at Law. They're lawyer pirates now. The movie is actually called Captain Phillips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. What's the what's the actor's name? Somalian actor. Uh uh Barkad Abdi. Yes. Seriously, Castle Rock season two. Really, really good in that. I mean he's also great in Captain Phillips. I think Captain <laughs> Phillips is a good movie. But I like him more <laughs> in Castle Rock because it involves like it's not vampires, but it's, it's season two. So good. All right. Uh, final question from good old Lord Pumpernickel. Let's say our two teams are facing off in a match, Matt, who's going to win and why? Oh boy. Uh, I mean, th here, that's, that's the question. First of all, it's the Garganos cause they're better. <laughs> I mean, cause Kari is great. Wow. Poor Paul Burchill. I'm burying Paul Burchill right now. <laughs> And Paul, Paul was great on the indies and WWE was hilarious as a pirate. I, I think Johnny Gargano is like, is wrestling to me. Uh, and Kenneth Ray is wrestling to me. Like they're just such a huge power couple. And I mean, his, his name is Johnny wrestling. It's Johnny wrestling. And her should and be Candace wrestling. I, well, I, I believe she's actually gone by the nickname at some point as Mrs. Wrestling. Yeah. Which is great because there is a Mr. Wrestling, I believe. Who's not Johnny Gargano. Uh, then, yeah, I'll take that. They're a married couple. They have great communication skills. They're still newlyweds, kind of. Not really, but we'll say they are. Okay. Like, I think they're going to be great. I mean, are they really newlyweds in 2031? The year that it currently is? Well, given that we redefine the word newlywed in 2029, like, yes, I do think they are. Okay. And that is the end of that. <laughs> questions send them to wrestle buddies at gamespot.com yes or hit Did us up check on, that 
Yeah, it gets forwarded to our email, Matt. Oh, okay, good. Or hit us up on Twitter at WrestleBuddies. Also, rate and review the show, please. That's right. Chris has forced me to bring back our favorite mini-segment of all time, Gangrel Watch, where you keep up with Vampire Warrior Gangrel and see what he's up to. Hashtag fangin' and bangin'. Here's the thing, Matt. I know you say I forced you to do it, but, like, you don't understand how important Gangrel Watch has become to me. It's practically <laughs> my belief system at this point. Okay. And, do, and sh- sh- do you want me to do you want me to take the lead and go through this? I mean, this is, you set it up this week. I was trying to like space this out so we wouldn't have it every week. Listen, it's not my fault that Gangrel keeps a very busy <laughs> life in the and time who? of Gangrel keeps a very busy <laughs> life in the time of uh, quarantine. But he posted right. two important tweets this week. All right, let's the, let's read them out. Oh, the first one says, having a nice day with my lady at Indiana. And then in parentheses, it says Susan. Um, and then <laughs> and then there's a picture with him and who I can only believe is his girlfriend. Uh, he's wearing, of course, a Gangrel's Wrestling Asylum T-shirt or hat, not a T-shirt. That would be silly. Uh, and he seems to be hanging out in a bar. I don't know if that's advisable because I believe Gangrel lives in Florida. But you know what? He's a vampire, and as we learn, vampires cannot catch coronavirus. And, and there's and there's one reply to that tweet. It says, when will the brood return? And the answer is never. never. Uh, the second tweet is the one that I really wanted to bring our attention to, Matt. Uh-huh. Uh, because as we know, Gangrel has his own wrestling school, the Gangrel's Wrestling Asylum. Uh, and the beauty of that is I guess they also operate as sort of a wrestling federation that needs championship belts. Yes. Or they are going to any, whatever it is, Gangrel has unveiled, unveiled the new Gangrel Wrestling Asylum Florida heavyweight championship belt. And I'm going to be honest with you, Matt. It's a good looking belt. I'm looking at it right now. It's like it's very much 80s, early 90s, like classic championship belt. I am into it. It has a little bit like the side plates remind me a little bit of the AEW world title in that it fits together almost like a puzzle pieces. Yeah. Um, it's a great, great belt. Yeah. Uh, and it's got the, it says GWA on it, and it's got the Gangrel's Asylum uh, logo on it. Florida heavyweight wrestling champion. It's, it's good. Uh, I'm going to say it's an A plus belt. Uh, you compare that with another recent belt change, the U S title. I uh, like, I like the U S title. It looks, it looks like something that was made in a 3d printer, which makes sense because it was made in a 3d printer. Okay. Uh, uh, the tweet for this, the tweet for this title reads sneak peek at the new GWA heavy Florida heavyweight championship at GWA Florida hashtag fanging and banging hashtag Gangrel's wrestling asylum. Seriously, go over to at Gangrel 13 on Twitter and take a look at this belt. It's a great it's belt. Incredible. And that's, that's it for this week's Gangrel watch. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed it. See you next week, Gangrel, because I'm going to make this happen every week, whether Matt oh likes it or boy. not. Oh, boy. Oh. Hey, Chris, do you hear that? That's the end of the show. No, I don't. It's fine. Is it the music? It's the music for the show. Oh. Which, which lets everybody know uh, it's the end of the show, mm-hmm. but don't turn it off because we got some valuable information for you. And that valuable, valuable. information is 
go rate us and review us on iTunes. The more rates and reviews we get, the more people that see us. Hey, subscribe to our show. Tell your friends. Tell your pops and your mama that Shaq is the man, period, comma. Uh, if you want to find us on Twitter. <laughs> Matt, I don't know how many times I have to tell you that your use of commas is ridiculous, but period, comma is the worst. <laughs> it's a Shaquille O'Neal song. <laughs> There's literal lyrics from a Shaquille O'Neal song. Well, that's your fault for knowing a Shaquille O'Neal song. Ali Ali Baba. <laughs> Go tell your pops and your mama. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. It's at WrestleBuddies all over the place. I'm at Chris Hayner. I'm, I'm at Elfring. I am M-A-T-E-L-F-R-I-N-G. And yeah, uh, come back next week. We'll have more weird stuff to talk about. We'll probably honestly be just as tangential as we were this week. However, you know what I noticed, Matt? What? We got through a whole episode without talking about RoboCop. Nice. No, we're done. Robocop! Ah, uh, no.